In Isaiah 61, Jesus declared that He had been sent to bring freedom for the prisoners and to set the oppressed free. And throughout Jesus' ministry, we see His power to set free those that were imprisoned by their own sin and those that were oppressed by the sins of others. When Jesus died and rose again, He destroyed the power of sin once and for all, giving us free access to the love and power of God. In this Set Free series, we will provide the tools for each of us to identify the lies we have believed, to take hold of the truth that Jesus offers and learn to walk in the power of the Spirit. Jesus came to set us free from whatever stops us living in the fullness of God's love and power. Jesus sets us free from anything that stops us from living in the fullness of his love and power. And uh, it's been an awesome series so far. And just journeying together in some of the big things that challenge us, which stop us from living out the purpose that God has called us to live. And this morning we are looking at probably a more socially acceptable issue, if I can call it that. Bitterness. You know, it's, it's kind of okay to hold a grudge against somebody who's done you wrong, particularly in our culture. You know, we know it's probably right to forgive, but there are some things that you just can't forgive. And I think in culture, we, 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 we assume and accept that just some things are too hard to forgive. But the reality is, is that bitterness is like a toxic poison which ruins and sours everything. Bitterness gets in and just changes the way that we see ourselves and the way that we relate to others. Our family has a tradition that every Sunday after church, we go and we have Sunday lunch. Anybody here have big Sunday lunches? No, that's just me. Okay, uh, awesome. Well, well, this has been a tradition for our family uh, ever since I was growing up, and, and we still do it. We still, after, after the service today, we'll go back to my parents' house and have Sunday lunch. I remember as a teenager, coming home one Sunday, it was a hot summer's day. And it takes a little while for mum and dad to get the dinner ready, so we would go outside and we would play sport. And, and I was an energetic teenager, so out we went for about an hour playing cricket, footy, whatever it was that, that I was playing. I remember coming back into the house, dripping with sweat after about an hour, really tired and gasping for a drink of water. I run to the fridge, I open the fridge and go for the water, grab it out and put it on the counter. Now you've got to understand that um, we went through a lot of water in our house, cold water, particularly in summer. So what my mum used to do was she would reuse milk containers and orange juice containers, put water in it and, and chill it out. So I grab one of those containers, I stick it on the counter, grab the largest glass I can, fill it up, and then I start chugging down the contents at a rate a minute. It's about halfway through drinking the contents, I realize that I'm not drinking a nice cold water. I'm drinking nice chilled white vinegar. It was horrific. Let me tell you, people, that it, it went out, it came out twice as fast as it was going down. I baptized the kitchen in white vinegar. It was disgusting to the point where now I can't even think about white vinegar. I, I hate the smell of it. It makes me gag. It's affected me for life. The truth of the matter is the bitterness, when it sits deep, it must and will always come out. 
It will always come out. One person had described bitterness as unforgiveness that is fermented. Unforgiveness that is fermented. And Jesus, in a story we're going to look at today, addresses the whole issue of unforgiveness. And he teaches the disciples both how and why we are to forgive. So if you want to open your Bibles this morning, we're going to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 18, and we're going to read a parable that Jesus teaches, teaches his disciples and teaches us on the matter of forgiveness. Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35, if you've got a Bible with you. Let's read. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, which is about 20 years' wage, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. As the, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's masters took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, which today is about three months' worth of wage. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured and until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Heavy. The reality is that everybody hurts. We've been created for relationship. We can go right back to the garden and see that, that Adam was alone. God looked down on creation and said, it's all good, but it's not good that Adam's alone. So he created a friend, Adam and Eve, together, reflecting the image of God in relationship. If we understand that story, as we read the story in Genesis chapters 1 to 3, we see that Adam and Eve are tempted by, tempted by the serpent and take the fruit that's in the middle of the garden. And by doing so, they're saying, we are going to take control of our lives we want to be our own God. We reject God. We reject the other. And so what we see is Adam and Eve putting themselves at the center of the story. And as always, the fruit of sin, the fruit of selfishness, the fruit of being saying that we are our own God is that we reject God, we reject others. There is relational hurt. If you want to see where sin is, just look for hurt. Relational breakdown. And that is the story throughout ge the generations we all experience hurt. Everybody hurts. And it's often those who are closest to us that hurt us the most. Our spouses, our partner, 
our friends, our work colleagues, those that are closest to us often hurt us the most. And we feel it. You know, hurt is something that is perceived. I say perceived, I say that it's felt because sometimes it's, and often it is, misunderstood. We receive things through a lens of pain or whatever and, and, and we see it and we take it on as hurt. And we feel it. Either we feel lied to or cheated or ridiculed, rejected, betrayed, discriminated against, persecuted, treated with cruelty or malice. And ultimately we feel a sense of injustice. Whenever we feel hurt, we feel a sense of injustice. Something has been taken from me. Something of value has been stolen from me. It might be relational or emotional. It might be material or financial. But we feel this deep sense of injustice. How dare they take that from me? And if not dealt with, that resentment begins to build. It begins to ferment deep in our heart. That injustice, that hurt turns into resentment. It's unforgiveness until it turns into bitterness. And we believe the lie in this process that being bitter makes it better. Being bitter makes it better. And what we do is we take on unforgiveness and bitterness like a burden. Or we don't think it's a burden at the time. We actually think it's a nice warm hug. We hold it close to our heart, this unforgiveness. And we think that it makes us feel better, and it does in the short term. You see, what it does is, is unforgiveness protects us. It protects our heart, you know, I will not be hurt again. I won't let anyone close to me again. I'll protect my heart. I won't put it out there because it, I'll just be hurt. I will not be vulnerable, vulnerable again. We protect ourselves. You know, holding on to unforgiveness also gives us a sense of pride. I would never do that to somebody else. I would never treat anybody that way. How dare they treat? I, I, I feel good. I feel good, be good about my. I'm justified. I've justified myself. And therefore, it, it makes us feel powerful. When we hold on to unforgiveness, it gives us a sense of power. That person owes me. They're in debt. They owe me something. I have power over them. I can control them. I can control the relationship with them because they are in debt to me. And we hold on to it. But the reality is and the truth is that we are not holding power over other people. Unforgiveness that grows into resentment and bitterness ends up controlling us. It ends up controlling us. And it affects us deeply. We carry it around, we hold it close, and we get tired of holding it. It controls us. It's really interesting in this passage that, that Jesus uh, speaks of today, this parable that right at the end, it was really harsh, wasn't it, as we read it, that the king throws the servant into jail 
and says, you will be tortured until you pay back the debt. You see what Jesus is saying here is he's saying anybody who holds on to unforgiveness, anyone who holds it close to their chest, will be tortured. Bitterness tortures us. It weighs us down. It steals from us. It steals our purpose. It it steals our energy. You know, we walk around and we think about it. You know, that per- what that person did to you, 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 you think about it, you chew on it. When you've got a moment to yourself, it comes back into your mind. As you go to bed at night, that issue comes up again and you struggle to sleep. You wake up in the middle of the night thinking about how that person treated you. You mull over it. It consumes you. You think about how you're going to get justice back, what you're going to say. How are you going to treat that person next time you see them? Who are you going to, what are you going to say to other people about that person? How are you going to find justice? It knocks your vision off. It steals from you. It steals from uh, your purpose. It steals your purpose. It steals your energy. It steals your joy. The thing with bitterness is it makes you cynical. It makes you cynical. All of a sudden, you see life through a certain lens, a certain framework, and your joy dissipates as bitterness continues to ferment and sour your life. Tell you what, it also steals your health. You know, psychologists will point to bitterness as a root for a whole bunch of ailments, back pain, headaches, insomnia, tummy trouble, anxiety, depression, Bitterness affects you in deep ways as you hold on to it. It also affects the relationships around you because you carry this root in you, this, this thing in you, and, and you can't help but pick up other things because you see the world in a certain way. You perceive the world now in a certain way. And it affects you. It affects how you relate to other people. A little bit like this. You know, I've been invited to Helen's birthday parties the last five years, and, uh, and, and her 40th is coming up, and, and, and Helen throws awesome birthday parties, but I didn't get an invite this year. And I'm, I'm trying to find out who else has been invited, but I'm feeling rejected now. I'm feeling like, Helen, where's my invite? Because Helen throws awesome parties. And so I begin to see Helen in a certain way. Helen, do you want to load me up? I take on that. Sorry, that was heavy, wasn't it? Say a prayer for me as I do the rest of the message like this. And then there's Jason. I took Jason out for lunch the other day. Actually, we, just, we were just out for lunch, but Jason again made the excuse that he left his wallet back at work. <laughs> Fifth time in a row. Not only that, when we sat down to look at the menu, he ordered the most expensive thing on the menu. And I'm angry. Jace, can you, um, can you load me up? I'm holding that now against Jason. I'm picking it up. And we carry, we pick bitterness up as we go. It affects other people's. Let me tell you this. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. All of a sudden, we've got this barrier, this wall as we walk through life, this lens, these glasses that we see things. And let me tell you, it makes you tired. I'm tired right now. Shouldn't have done the rowing machine last night. 
But this is what, what happens. We carry around bitterness. We think it works. We think it's the big hug, hug but it, it wears us down. It wears us down. It hurts us. It makes us tired. The wonderful news is in this parable, but there is an offer of grace. We read right at the beginning that there is a king. Who is that king? Who do you think Jesus is referring to? He's referring to himself. There is a king who is owed phenomenal amounts of money, more than, more than you know, he, anyone could pay, 20 years' salary. In, the, in these terms, it would be $1.62 million. And that king, when the, when the servant bows down and asks for mercy, the king profoundly offers mercy, offers grace. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, there is an economy of grace. There is an economy of grace. As we continue to see the story of the gospel, as Jesus lives out his life, we see that he goes to the cross. Let me tell you that there is always the offer of grace. There is always the offer of forgiveness. You see, we have a debt to pay to God. We have rejected him. We've said, we reject you, God. We're going to do our own way. We're going to go our own way. And the penalty of that sin, as we read in the Bible, is death. We are all Jew death. But God in his great mercy has come for us in the person of Jesus. And God says, you know what, I, there is a debt to be paid. I need to show you there is a debt to be paid, but I'm going to take it upon myself. And God comes down in human form. Jesus Christ comes and takes the penalty. He takes that debt for us so that we might be reconciled to God that we may again have relationship with him, pure relationship. God has taken the debt for us and the invitation is to come to the foot of the cross, to bend our knee, to cry out for mercy. And as we do so, we receive, we will find forgiveness and we can let go of everything that we carry, the burdens that we carry, the pain that we carry, the resentment that we carry, the unforgiveness that we carry. Let me tell you that the forgiveness of Jesus at the cross washes our bitterness away. It washes it away. I can tell you, I'm not as tired as I just was. We are set free and we are given a new lens. See, the reality is, is that when we see life through the cross, we see the world in a different way. We are set free. And we need to take hold of the truth this morning that we find forgiveness in Jesus that Jesus has forgiven us so that we are free to forgive others. And this is confounding and uh, confounding. This is confounding and confronting. I've just created a new word. Feel free to use it. Peter asked the question, "Lord, am I to forgive seven times?" I reckon Pete's going I'm, I'm going to be real generous now. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm going to look good. Uh, seven times, Jesus. 
And Jesus says, Peter, no. 77 times, or in other uh, books we read 70 times 7. It doesn't really matter what Jesus is saying. He's speaking in hyperbole. He's saying, no, 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 you just continue to forgive. The economy of the kingdom of God is one of grace. And we're invited to forgive again and again and again. Why? Because we have been forgiven again and again and again. It's the economy of the kingdom of God. We are called, we are commanded, we're invited, we are free to forgive. I'm not saying here that forgiveness is easy. You know, it wasn't easy for God. For Jesus to be shamed, beaten, naked, murdered on a cross, let alone be separated from the Father, excruciating pain. I'm not saying that it's easy to forgive. It takes great humility because that part of us wants to hold that debt. We want to hold it against the other party. It's, it's humbling to say, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let that go. It's costly. It means that you've got to take that cost that is undeserved. It means that I've got to wear the cost of Jason's lunches. It's a joke, by the way. Don't think that he's a Scrooge most of the time. It's costly. And it involves the will. You know, forgiveness is not just a one-off moment. It may be. It may be that split moment where you say, I forgive that person no matter how they come back to me. But often forgiveness is the application of the will. It's that choosing going, I forgive that person. Then you wake up in the middle of the night again with that event going, and you say, God, help me. I forgive that. You've forgiven me. I forgive that person. And again and again, there is a will involved. There is, there is energy. There is choice involved in forgiveness. I'm not saying it's easy. But we are compelled because we have been forgiven. So what are the steps to forgiveness? I actually think this series, you know, as we identify the lies, we take hold of the truth, and as we walk in the Spirit, gives us some great tools for how we are to learn to forgive so that we don't walk in bitterness. Firstly, we need to identify the source of the bitterness. That might be a journey for you, actually going back, going deep, may have happened 20, 30 years ago and it sat suppressed deep in your spirit and it's kind of just fermented there and other issues have attached itself to it as you see the world in a different way. You need to go back to where the source of the bitterness is. You need to identify where the lie is in that as well. Where have you believed that bitterness makes it better? Secondly, you need to take hold of the truth. You need to remind yourself that you have been forgiven a great debt. And that's why we're doing these memory verse cards. As a quick access way, when we go through those moments of pain and temptation, we can go back to the truth and remind ourselves of what Jesus speaks over us. The memory verse for this week, you can come and grab it at the barrel at the end of the service. Let me read it out. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. 
Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's a long one. That's going to be a tough one for next week. You have to go and study every day that one. We are to let go of bitterness because Jesus Christ has forgiven us and he has set us free. The reality is, is that we have been set free. We need to take hold of that truth and we need to live in it. And that helps us to walk in a new way. As I said before, forgiveness is a choice. We need to keep forgiving. You keep going, you keep forgetting, forgiving. Psychologists say that one helpful act in this journey is actually writing out a letter to your offending party. And we're going to have an opportunity at the end of this service. I'm going to create some space for you to be able to just to write. Maybe write a prayer. Write a letter. Psychologists say don't send that letter. That's not helpful. But it's a way in which you can begin to speak out what's inside. Get out that bitterness that sits inside. We're going to create some space later on. I believe that God's going to set some people free here this morning as we engage in that process. I want to say too that praying for the offending party is really profound. A couple of months ago, I got really offended by something somebody said. And, 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 the, and, and the, the lie began to just to, to sow in my spirit. I came home and I was sitting on it. I was thinking about the scenario, thinking about the words that were said. I was talking to Megan about it. How am I going to make this right? How am I going to sort this out? A number of days later, I knew I was going to be seeing that person again. And as I was driving in the car, I felt the Spirit of God say, Andrew, pray for that person. And I tell you, as I engaged in prayer, as I lifted that person up, as I prayed for them, I was set free. I could see that person in a whole new light. I could see the situation in a whole new light. The misunderstanding and the fear and the insecurity that was sitting in me dissipated. And I had a freedom I, there, was, there, was no, there was no wall, there was no issue. I actually didn't even need to deal with the issue when I met that person, when I saw that person, I was free. See, the truth is, is that when we take hold of the truth, when we walk in the Spirit, when we receive the grace and the love of God, we live in freedom. And grace gives way to grace. Freed people, freed people. Freed people, free people. So when we live in freedom... We don't need to let our baggage and our bitterness hold us down. We're not carrying anything anymore. So I'm able to go to Helen and say, Helen, even though you didn't invite me to your 40th, I can give you a hug. Come and give me a hug. Set you free. Jason, I'm coming. <laughs> Jason, up on your feet. I get to free people, right? Yeah. Free him. God's economy of grace, we invite people into the same space. It breaks the cycle. I talk to people all the time, you say, and they say, you know what, I just offered some grace. And you know what happened? They responded in a completely different way. See, when we live in freedom, we have the courage to have conversations. That, that they don't carry the, the, the pain and the insecurity. We can, we can say to people who've hurt us, hey, you know what, that really hurt me. Now, I don't want to undermine the fact that there will sometimes not be reconciliation. And I don't want to undermine the fact that you, some of you might be dealing with significant pain. 
like significant issues. But you will never, ever be free unless you let it go and leave it at the foot of the cross. You won't be free. It will wear you down. It will burn you. It will kill you. It will tire you out. Now, Jesus is responding here to a prior conversation. So, so Jesus, in the previous passage in Matthew, is talking about how to do conflict within a Christian community. You can go back and read it later on if you want. But basically, uh, Jesus is giving some guidelines and rules about how you deal with conflict in a Christian community. I understand that there will be people here today who have hurt and pain because of what the church has done to you. Or people within the church, whether it's here or it's a previous church. And it's in that context that Peter asked the question, how often should I forgive? And Jesus is saying, you know what? The Christian community, the kingdom of God should be one full of grace. That we should be a church that, that graciously and abundantly offers forgiveness to one another. Jesus prays a prayer in John and says, I pray that the world may see that the church is one, that the church will exude a love that is profound in this world. And my vision and heart and prayer is that for us as a community here at Gateway, that we will be a church that stands and meets one another around the cross that we will be generous in our love, that we will be generous in our grace, that we will be generous in our forgiveness so that we can point to a world and say, hey, we know the profoundness of grace and love because we have been forgiven much. I want to ask you this morning, what is in your hands? What are you carrying? What are you holding on to? What's stopping you from living in the purpose that God has called you to be? What is stopping you from living in freedom and life and joy and forgiveness that Jesus not only offers, but that he commands? I'd love to create a moment right now for us all. You know, there might be some people here, I believe there are, who haven't yet received that forgiveness of Jesus, the receipt you've received the forgiveness of God, and you will not be able to profoundly forgive unless you do so. I want to create an invitation this morning for people to receive the forgiveness of God for the first time, to come to the cross, to bow the knee, and to let go of the sin that you're carrying. Maybe you've been coming. Uh, for a while, maybe this is your first time here and you, you want to know that relationship with God. You want to know the forgiveness of God. So what we're going to do right now is I'm going to ask every person to bow their head and close their eyes just across this room and create a space now. And if you're here, you're sitting here and, and you know that you don't know that forgiveness, you realize that you haven't yet bowed the knee, you haven't yet handed over the burdens of your life, the sins of your life, and you desperately want to be free. Today is the day. I'm going to ask you just to stick your hand high in the sky and say, I want that forgiveness afresh. 
I want that forgiveness. Just across this room with every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you. I see that hand. That's awesome. I see that hand at the back there. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? You need to come to the cross. Come to Jesus and say, forgive me. I want to be in relationship with you. Anybody else? Just one more moment. Anyone else? Hey, that's awesome. Hey, why don't we just continue in this state of, uh, of prayer? I'd love for those who stuck their hand up. And why don't we all pray, if you're comfortable, just praying after me, just above a whisper, speaking out, joining along with those who today have said, I want that. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you offer me forgiveness. I thank you that you offer me freedom. Please forgive me of my sin. Please wash me clean so that I can be free, so that I can forgive others. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Why don't we give those guys a hand this morning? So good. Jesus setting people free. Hey, you would have received as you walked in this morning uh, just a card with uh, a verse on the front, the command of Jesus to forgive, and then on the back just some lines. And I'd love to invite us all uh, just to take a moment. There's some pens in the seats in front if you need a pen, just to write. Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's a letter. Maybe it's a picture. Maybe it's a story. I don't know. Begin to allow the Holy Spirit to engage your heart. Say, God, ask God, is there bitterness that is stuck in me, that is fermenting, that needs to come out that I cannot hold on to? We're going to take a few moments. The band are going to play and sing over us. Just begin to write. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to create some space for us just to come forward to the foot of the cross and, and let go of that bitterness. Uh, I'll direct you in a moment. Come on. Let's engage with this. Let's begin to write as a band. Come and play and sing over us. Hey, just as people continue to receive prayer, I realize that this is a big issue for a whole bunch of us. There'll be very few people uh, who have not been affected in some way, hurt in some way. And that we need to, I encourage you, take hold of the truth afresh. As you go from this place, continue to remind yourself of the grace that God offers you and how He invites you into a freedom and a space. I'd love to pray for us. I'd love to pray a freedom and a life over us afresh this morning. Can we do that? I encourage you, maybe you just want to put your hands out in front of you right now, just across this room. Receive afresh the freedom and the life that God offers. Oh, Father, we recognize that, that we carry hurt. There have been things that have been done to us in the past which are painful. And even when we think about them, even today, as, as we've gone back into our past, into the archives of our memory, Lord, you have, you've opened up fresh things for us, and it hurts. God, we thank you that nothing is hidden from you, that you see everything. And that, God, you are so kind, you are so gracious, you are so loving. 
And God, I pray that you will pour out your salve into our souls afresh this morning. That you will pour your life into us afresh this morning. That we will know your grace. That we will know the warmth of your love. We will know your kindness and your grace in a fresh way. And that you will help us. That you will help us, God, to let go. That you will help us to forgive so that we can live in freedom. We take hold of that afresh this morning, Lord. We take hold of it afresh this morning. We love you. We thank you. We praise you for all you are. It's in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.